There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning back into the podcast. This is our Tuesday edition of the podcast. In just a moment, we'll begin in Job 24, the second part, and just see what the Lord is going to do. Please pray for our services Tomorrow night, we'll begin at the Egamalgan Baptist Church. That's down in Sedgwick, Maine. Brother Steve McFarland and the folks there, we certainly thank the Lord for uh, the privilege we've had to know them these last four to five years. And I know Brother Matt, who we'll be staying with, he and his wife, uh, he's going to be our song leader and choir director again this year at Youth Week uh, in the services where Brother Roger Hayden is not leading the singing. And he's going to be a great part of that. We certainly look forward to staying with them, also them being a part of Youth Week. And then, of course, the following week, we'll be with Brother Chuck Barnes, and he's down in Tremont, and that's in Seal Cove, Maine, Tremont Baptist Church. And then at the same time, uh, we get finished there. Just a couple days later, we're going to move to Vermont, and we'll be up in Linden, Vermont, at the Anabaptist Tabernacle in Linden, Barry Gary, Brother Gary Hartsock, the folks there. And I'm certainly looking forward to the meeting, certainly looking forward to what God is going to do. Before we leave Maine, we'll be at the New Life Baptist Church up in Dover, Foxcroft on a Sunday, and then head home. And eventually, at the end of the month, we'll be heading to Youth Week up in Black Creek, New York. And so we've got a pretty busy schedule. Just want to make you aware of those things. If you've not considered Youth Week, would you consider it? I pray that God will direct your steps and lead you, if it be his will, that you could come and be a part of the services there. Back in Job 24... As we're continuing on this thought that we started yesterday, and if you've not listened to part one yesterday, I certainly recommend you go back and listen to part one, because I'm going to plug right back in there for part two. And he says in verse 10, they cause them to go naked without clothing. They take away the sheaf from the hungry, which make oil within their walls and tread their wine presses and suffer thirst. Why? They're not prospering. Men groan from out of the city and the soul of the wounded crieth out, yet God layeth not folly to them. And so, again, these are folks that are caught up in this. These are folks that you and I can look at and say they're innocent in this. There's nothing they can do. There are some that just born out of time, and yet God is going to be glorified in all that is done in these days. And, again, this is just the picture I see here. This is what I'm looking at. I believe it's prophetic because there's a couple of things that he says later in this chapter that explain this pretty clearly. This is God's day. This is the day of the Lord. This is when Jesus Christ— This is when God is going to have his way with this world. And he said in verse 12, men groan from out of the city and the soul of the wounded crieth out. And in the end of sentence, a new sentence with a colon there, yet God layeth not falling to them. They are of those that rebel against the light. There's the problem. They've rebelled against the light. They had the light, the light that has lit every man has come into this world. But he said, they know not the ways thereof, nor abide in the past thereof. So there's no ignorance. And that's one of the things that I hear more and more, and I've, I've rebuked this before publicly. I've rebuked this on this podcast. This uh, bleeding heart, again, a liberal idea that those that have not heard, 
God can't lay this to their charge, yet they have the light of God. They have the candle of the Lord searching the inward parts of the belly. They have the conscience that God has given. The grace of God hath appeared to all men, and therefore they have no excuse. That light is coming to the world. It's lit every man. He tells us that. And so they are without excuse. I believe if a man is sincere, as we've used other examples over the years, uh, of men in darkness, utter darkness in pagan countries, but yet they looked into the heavens, and they looked at nature, and they listened to their own conscience that there's something more than this. They were obligated to seek God. I've heard stories of little old ladies who were sitting and praying that God would send someone to tell them the truth. There was something they were looking for. We met a lady many years ago up in Rochester, Minnesota. She was a Cambodian refugee, and uh, she was raised in a Christian village. But she met a man who became a Christian who had just no idea no concept or understanding of God, but he was seeking something. He was searching. He was looking. And God sent a missionary to their village. And God sent a Vietnamese missionary to the village. And he was gloriously converted to Christ. And then later on, he was killed in the scourge of Faux Po upon this world. And he paid a great price with his life. His sons were also slain. This dear widow lady I met and her daughter, I also met in the service, rejoiced in the goodness of God, that God would come to where they were, that God would come and save her husband and make her a husband, make him a new creature, someone that was desirous of seeking God, desirous of the word of God. They're not in the, these have rejected the light. That light came and they rejected it. The way of God came and they rejected it. And he goes on, he said this, nor abide in the paths thereof. God has made paths for men. They can walk therein. But the problem is, is they don't want the word of God. And I love what Brother Paris Reed had many years ago at the convention spake, that famous message, 10 shekels in a shirt. And he said he went as a do-gooder to Africa. He was going to teach these little naked savages uh, some things about God. And he said when he got to Africa, he realized that the African savage had far more light than he ever imagined. They had already rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had already received truth and rejected truth. Why? They had Albert Schweitzer living there, the great genius, the great Christ denier. And Dr. Schweitzer's there teaching them these things contrary to God, and they're just eating it, swallowing it up. It's biting into a hook, line, and sinker. I love the story of Japanese history when Commodore Matthew Perry sailed in the Tokyo Bay not ironically enough, in the exact same place where MacArthur sailed in on the USS Missouri and demanded the Japanese signature. But Matthew Perry, when he was the first, as we know it, white man to step ashore in Tokyo Bay in the 1950s, or 1850s rather, he had to step on a crucifix to step onto the shore. Now, I realize we don't believe in the, in the crucifix. We don't believe in the power of the crucifix. But the symbol to the Japanese was he had to reject Christianity. He had to trod underfoot Christianity. They had so despised the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet there's a wonderful book out there. It's more of an intellectual book, so I don't understand much of it. Uh, but it's about the indigenous churches of Japan. And they go back and can trace some of the history of those churches back in the in, in 19. So the 1960s is when they became really open churches. Until then, even in the MacArthur days, they were still very secretive. But it was Mitsuo Fuchida 
And men like that, they came and brought the gospel. Jacob DeShazer brought the gospel. They started having open-air meetings in Japan before that the gospel had been so suppressed in Japan. But they talk about church history in the 1600s and the 1700s and under the control of the samurais. And they had churches and they were driven underground. Why? Those people wanted the light of God. They desired the light of God. The rest of Japan swore against it. They chose the Shinto religion, which was the warlord religion, which was power and it was money and it was a rejection of the true light. But therefore, they rejected Jesus Christ. That's the folly. That's the error. That's where all all men will be one day, whether they've received Jesus Christ or rejected Jesus Christ. The murderer rising with the light killeth the poor, and needy in the night is as a thief. The eye also of the adulterer waiteth for the twilight, saying, No eye shall see me, and disguiseth his face. In the dark they dig through houses which they had marked for themselves in the daytime, for they know not the light. So he identifies the murderer, the adulterer, the thief. The only thing that restrains us in America from this kind of life is the fact that we do have law and order. Thank God for those in blue. Thank God we have police and also the right to bear arms. It keeps people from digging in your house at night. There's just enough fear with people. And yet you go to the big cities where guns are banned and it's nothing to be robbed. It's nothing to have somebody in your apartment and in your house robbing you. And it's nothing today to most just to kill somebody. There's no thought given that. Why? Because they've rejected the light. They've gone against Christ. They've rejected Jesus Christ. The eye also of the adulterer waiteth. In verse 16, in the dark they dig through the houses. And then verse 17, it goes on. They've, they've got under the darkness what they've done in the darkness. But then he says, for the morning is to them, even as the shadow of death. If one know them, they are in the terrors of the shadow of death. Why? They're doing this in secret. They got that double life. They got that hidden life, that secret life. We saw what the roach is coming out. And we had to be out of Baltimore by about 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. That's when most people got out of bed. And the roaches would come out. Who were the roaches? They were the street walkers. They were the dope dealers. Uh, they were the, the thug hood from the hood. And they'd come out there and talk their smack and run us off the streets and curse and blaspheme and mock. And, and by the way, when I say the hood, it wasn't just black folk. It was Hispanic folk. It was white folk. Uh, that darkness under the cover of darkness, they hated the light. He began to preach truth to them that come out and just revile and curse and mock and scoff. Why? Because they're guilty. They're guilty in their hearts of murders and adulteries. Some of them outwardly guilty of murders and adulteries. We'd watch them. We'd be in the dark park watching them under the cover of darkness, performing heinous crimes against humanity and crimes against God and crimes against the laws of the United States and their perversions and their filth just openly in the, in the homeless camps as women selling themselves and being pimped out and selling dope and drinking liquor and everything under the sun. Every once in a while, one of them would die. We had a dear lady, Helen, I'll just honor her today. Those ladies in the church would preach to her and preach to her and preach to her and share God with her and share the gospel with her. And she had to sit there with tears running down her face and reject and reject. And it wasn't long. One day a lady brought an article from the Baltimore Sun and there was her name on the front page of the Baltimore Sun. She'd been stabbed in the neck over a cardboard box, dead and most likely lost without Christ, hopeless. And there on the street, she died with a knife stuck in her neck over a cardboard box. Why? Because of a life of sin, a rejection of God's way, a rejection of God's light. And listen, I'm not so callous that I don't think that it could have been me. I'm not so callous that I don't think it could have been one of my children. And I thank God for his grace. And I thank God for his mercy. 
He is swift as the waters. Their portion is cursed in the earth. He beholdeth not the way of the vineyards. Drought and heat consume the snow water. So doth the grave those which have sinned. And so all this is going to be brought into judgment. All this is going to be called before God. Job is outing the wicked. He's outing those following the wicked. He's outing those which not only in this day, but that day which is to come. And he said, the womb shall forget him. The worm shall feed sweetly on him. He shall be no more remembered and wickedness shall be broken as a tree. Now he's identifying perfectly a single person. I believe he's identifying that one that is wicked. The worm shall feed on him. Why? He's going to be where the worm dieth not. He goes on, evil, he evil entreateth the barren that beareth not, and doeth not good to the widow. He draweth also the mighty with his power. He riseth up, and no man is sure of life. He's a murderer. He's a murderer at heart. So is Satan. He's a murderer at heart. He gives no thought to murder. He gives no thought to kill him. He's not just an accuser of the brother. He is a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning. It's in him to be a murderer. It's in his children to murder. Oh, being saved now for 26 years, that's so far behind me to even comprehend or understand that, that murder, not just outwardly, but in the heart. And if you can conceive it in your heart, you can do it outwardly. And that's one of those things that I'm dogmatic about. And I get a lot of flack for it. People get upset about it. But you cannot commit murder as a child of God. You cannot have that hate. God told you that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And he tells us, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. You can't have hatred in your heart as a child of God. And boy, everybody identifies all these things they think Christians can't do or Christians are unable to do. There's one thing Christians cannot do. They cannot hate. They cannot have that hatred in their heart. Why? Because God has told us, if you have murder in your heart, he said, yeah, yeah, that hatred in your heart, you're a murderer. And we know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. That's present tense and future tense. And therefore, when I got saved, murder fled my heart. When I got born of God, I didn't hate. I didn't want to kill. There's people I didn't, there's people I used to want dead. I never really thought about acting it out, but it was in my heart. I don't think I ever looked at somebody and thought, you know, I'm going to kill them. I've heard, I've heard. Preachers testify of that. I know people who stood not publicly testify. There have been, they were going to kill. And then God saved them and it saved their lives and salvaged them probably from a life of prison. A man came home in the heat of the moment and caught his wife in the act. And a preacher friend of mine told me, he said, that man burned the house down. And that man and his wife barely got out of the house in time. And he told the preacher, I was going to kill him. And, you know, people say, well, that's just the heat of the moment. That's just the heat. You know, brother, I tell you, I'm not saying that's an easy thing to comprehend, but listen, you're planning on killing somebody. It's in your heart to kill them. You just better check up with God. You better just get a hold of God in those things. You better find out why that, that murder is in your heart. I don't care what the crime is. Better find out why murder is in your heart. He draweth also the mighty with his power. He rises up and no man is sure of life. Why is a murderer? There will be given him to be in safety, whereon he resteth, yet his eyes are upon their ways. But then he tells in verse 24, the end of this, they are exalted for a little while, but are gone and brought low. Then he said, they are taken out of the way as all other and cut off as the tops of the ears of corn. Why? Their life is a vapor, just like my life's a vapor. But God's going to cut them off in wickedness. When my life is over, I'm going to be received into Jesus Christ. To be asked from the body is to be present with the Lord. The difference between lost and saved is between the wicked and the godly. He said, if it be not so now, who will make a liar and make my speech nothing worth? Job has rightly identified the wicked. 
He has rightly identified those that are doing wickedness. And that hasn't changed. That message he preached is as applicable as it's ever been. But again, I do foresee that as a day which is to come. That spirit of Antichrist, however, is in the world today. He told us that. Those under the power of Satan, those unconverted to Christ, they are under the power of Satan. What's amazing, people can hide their wickedness and hide their sin, and they can be such hypocrites in church, and all it takes is just a little bit of preaching, buddy, and they can't hide it. All over their face and all over their being. One of the great joys to me is when I see people that are unresponsive to the Word of God, and they actually finally respond, even if it is an anger. There's a lot of folks so indifferent, they they're cold and dead and lifeless, I'd rather see people angry. I don't see people mad at the preacher. They just sit there with a dead expression on their face every service. There's a lot of folks in religion lost. A lot of folks are going to split hell wide open, dead in their trespasses and sins, hopeless without Jesus Christ, because they will not let Jesus Christ examine their hearts. Their ways are not his ways. Their paths are not his paths. Therefore, they cannot see their paths as contrary to God because the light of God's word they've departed from. That's the theme of this chapter. That's the thrust of this chapter. I pray you take these things to heart. Again, if you miss part one, you need to listen to part one. It'd be good to listen to both parts together. I think it would be a help, not just trying to get downloads. That's silly. We're not, we're not getting paid for this. We're doing this for free, but it might help you to listen to both parts together. I hope you have a great day. Lord, we'll be back tomorrow on the podcast. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McBay. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all at night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.